Hey guys, how's it going? This is Stephanie Goss and this is the Uncharted Podcast. I am super pumped about this week's episode and I don't even care that pumped is a totally 90s word. Um, I am excited to talk about this one with you guys. We got a letter through the mailbag from someone who um, had purchased a practice and the style of medicine that was being practiced when they purchased it is different from the style of medicine that they are currently practicing and the changes in medicine that they would like to continue to make as they aspire to a different style than was happening previously. And they are wondering how do they communicate this with their team and how does the team communicate it with the clients? And so Dr. Great Medicine Desires sent us a great letter and I'd love if you'd come join us while we dive into it. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. (laughs) Andy Rourke. And Stephanie, I'm on the next level, yeah, goss. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know where, where you're, where you get these things. That's that's the the Fast and the Furious Hobbs and Shaw soundtrack is where that came from. That's a movie I've not seen. <laughs> So that <laughs> explains it. Not because I don't want to. It's in my queue just because I have not seen most movies that people quote things from. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's lost on me. Yeah. It's, um, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend my movie, uh, my movie choice. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm just going to. Yeah, I'm going to walk away from this. Yes, <laughs> I watch. I have the movie taste of a 15-year-old. I mean, that's that like I said, that it's it's not that cuz I don't want to watch it. It's in my queue. Eventually I'll get to all of the things, but it will take me forever because I never get control of the remote in my house. So, yeah, that's 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 part of it. Um I I think that like I think that I with two daughters and my wife uh, and they all have strong viewing preferences. I think I get boxed in a lot. And so when I get the remote control, we're going to crazy town. You know, like when I get the remote, I'm going so far away from what I usually get to watch that I end up over in Fast and Furious Town. Um, <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing is, uh, you know, it's all what you want in entertainment. I am 100% escapism. Which means I I don't want to think too hard. I want things to drive fast and explode, and uh-huh. or I want something that that's that's really funny. I I walk in. My wife watches Grey's Anatomy religiously for years and years, and I just listen to thirty seconds of it. I'm like, why would you, why would you <laughs> engage with this in like free time? Like this just sounds exhausting to me. And I don't know. I don't know. That's funny. But I mean, it's, it is true. Everybody watches, everybody watches for different, different reasons. I have friends who, as long as I've known them, I've known them since before they started dating, but as long as they were dating and then now they're married and have kids and they've always been into movies and they do regular movie nights and they um, will like post their thoughts and stuff on social, the social media that we share. And I've always like looked at their movie selections and it's, so varied like art house mm-hmm. films to mainstream stuff like mm-hmm. and everything in between and three quarters of the stuff that they 
watch and post on them like i i never like it i wouldn't even occur to me to sit down and watch something <laughs> like something yeah. like that but i've watched some amazing films as a result of their their posting about it but i would agree with you i definitely have a, a type when i want to sit down and unplug my brain and engage with tv which is not very often i definitely have a a set like narrow this is how i want to unplug my brain it's the same with books you know i just um i'm one of those ones where if i have time to sit down i will often fall into a guilty pleasure reread because i i want to just mindlessly engage and i don't want to have to think about it and i have a stack of books that i've been slowly working my way through that i've are books that i really really have wanted to read but you know when the day is done and it's 11 o'clock and I sit down and have you know 15 minutes to read I can't I like I need it to be something like brainless that I can just be be familiar you know like I'm wrapping it around it like a comfort blanket (laughs) yeah oh yeah you know is it's funny I I used to watch movies all the time I I mean I I loved movies and I remember when uh when I was going to vet school I I was in vet school and my wife was pregnant with our first child. Someone said to me, oh, you can you can forget about watching movies. That made me so mad. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I, I didn't, I, first of all, if, if you're talking to someone who's a new parent or going to be a new parent, telling them the things they're not going to have time to do when they're right. a parent is not, it's not, a, it's not a kind thing to do. It's not a what helpful a thing move. to do. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, oh, you're pregnant? Let me tell you about how little sleep you're going to get. It's like, mm-hmm. thank you very much uh, for the joy you brought into my life. Yeah? Uh, and so somebody, someone said that to me, and it made me really mad. And then look around, and I have not watched movies. You know, like, I, I almost never get to, to actually watch movies anymore. And, but, but two things happened, right? This is, this is why I'm telling this story. Two things happened. Number one is you you get to where you don't really care. It's funny. I, when I cared, I didn't want to hear about that. Right. What the person didn't say is, Andy, you're about to do, you're about to start a new rewarding part, uh, challenging, tiring, exhausting, but rewarding time of your life. And you're going to have a lot of other things going on. And your interest in movies may fade and probably will. And right. I think that, that that was accurate, but it definitely was not, you're not going to be allowed to do this or you're not going to be able to do this. It's like, no, you're probably not going to care about this as much because you you would rather just go to bed. <laughs> like yeah. you would rather, if you have two hours to kill, you'd rather go to sleep. So I, I think I think this idea of like our interests change and just what we're able to do changes and that's not bad and so looking ahead and going i'm not going to be able to do this thing honestly when you get there you might not even care you know and the other thing is that there's never been a movie that i have missed that i have felt terrible about meaning we have access to any movie we want and if i wanted to watch it i could find it and i could watch it and so you can do whatever you want you just can't do everything that you want and if things are important, you can make time for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, it goes back to sort of our our desire shift or anything. So anyway, that, that's just that's my that's my sort of my movie thing from my life was I used to be really into it. I was really irritated when someone told me you can get you're gonna you're gonna that's gonna be a thing of the past. And it is a thing of the past, 
But it's interesting that it's a thing of the cast because of my choices and because of how I've grown and what I do and, you know, things like that. So I just feel like we have more power sometimes than we think that we do. Okay, now that we've gone completely off on a tangent. That was, um, yeah, that was about as tangenty as tangents yet. I, I agree. All right, let's, let's, let's. We, we do, we do have a point and a, and a topic for, t- for today. Uh, yeah. And it's actually, it's a really good one. I think it's one that we're both super uh, geeked out about. So we uh, got a message from the mailbag and it's from Dr. Great Medicine Desired. And Dr. Great said, hello. When I was listening to a recent podcast about a uh, podcast episode about COVID and the clients wanting to come back in, despite most of us still being curbside, there was a, <laughs> we had it shockingly, Stephanie and Angie had a tangent. We had, it, we had a tangent. <laughs> they, we, we were talking about the language used when discussing services, making clients turn down good care rather than offering it and hoping that they'll go for it. I'd absolutely love an episode about this type of communication. We struggle with this a little bit as the practice that we purchased wasn't exactly known for high quality medicine when we bought it. And my older um, staff, and I'm assuming they mean the staff that maybe came along with the hospital, aren't sure how to change their spiel that they're using to promote medicine that is equal to the type of medicine that they are aspiring to now. So there's been a shift in the practice. Things have changed. And now team members who've been there a while are struggling to explain to clients who they've known since before the sale happened why the quality of medicine has changed. And it was signed, great, uh, Dr. Great Medicine Desired. Yeah. What say so you? There's, yeah. I, so first of all, I love getting emails from people who are like, I listened to the podcast and I liked it. And this is what <laughs> I'd like you to talk more about. I go, oh, God, that's so great. Like coming to me and being like, I want you to talk more about a thing that you said earlier. I'm like, oh, yes, please. This is this is so much validation. This is exactly uh, exactly what I want. Whereas I loved getting this message because I laughed so hard because I was like, I love someone who calls us out for having tangents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and no, I, to- about I totally. That's also true. I to- I totally just blindly went past that part and just did not see or feel that at all. Just, Duh, they like the podcast. That's what I went to. I went straight to it. All right. This is uh there's there's a bit to this. Okay. Um so what what is she talking about? Uh, is this 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 thing that I beat the drum about a lot. And so like one of my sort of core ideas about vet medicine is pet owners should have to opt out of good care, not opt into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you set your practice up so that that is the default, you are going to practice good medicine and you are going to have a financially healthy practice and you are going to end up doing better preventive care for the patients that you see. Yeah. Okay. So what I mean when I say they should opt in instead of opt out, I took my kids to a barbecue place a couple of days ago. We went down to Henry's, shout out to Henry's Smokehouse in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, they're doing, they do, I'm not kidding. This is, it's a smokehouse, like just literal smoke coming out of the chimney, you know, uh, of this, of this shabby little place in South Carolina. But man, they, uh, they went hardcore. Uh, they went hard in the paint on, uh, outdoor dining uh-huh. and social distancing. And like, they still won't let people back in, in their smokehouse, which is, uh, I'm just like, this is, this is bonkers. It's, it's really cool. But they, uh, they have 
again, like you would not expect this, but they've got the uh, QR codes uh-huh. that you snap yeah. with your phone and you get their barbecue menu. The menu. You know, no, no. Yeah. And then they've got they've got these social these social distancing policies and, and 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 they've got this outdoor seating area that they made and like man, it's great. Uh, so awesome. it's just it's funny. You th- anyway, I just put a pause on this. We all have stereotypes about what types of businesses or what types of people uh, behave in what types of ways. Sure. And you just look at this. This is a little smokehouse in South Carolina. And they, man, they adapted you know, in a way that you just would not expect to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they run a thriving business uh, during during a pandemic. It was, it, they were doing it. And so anyway, all right, <laughs> tangent number two. <laughs> Here we go. Put it, put it in that. One. Here's the thing. I took my kids. I probably okay for people who are who are like you got to stop the Sandy. All right, we're gonna bring we're gonna rein it in here for a little while. Um, took my kids to Henry Smokehouse, and my daughter says, "I would like a barbecue sandwich," and the waitress said, "What two sides do you want?" Okay, she did not say, "Do you want fries with that?" She did not say. Do you want some vegetables? Do you want sides? She said, what sides do you want? Okay. Okay. That is a different experience from a different smokehouse. You go and you say, I would like a sandwich. And they say, okay, would you like to have French fries with that? And the person then says, yes or no. The first one, Henry's is an opt out model. If you order a sandwich, you're getting two sides and you're paying for like you're paying for the plate. Yeah. And so you have to say, no, thank you. I would not. I would like to not have those sides. At the other place, you get the sandwich and they upsell you the sides. When we're talking about vet care, the plate should include what you think a pet should have. Right. It should not be, we did a, we did examination. Would you like a rabies vaccine with that? It should be. You got the examination. The rabies vaccine is going to be performed. Do you have any questions? Right. And that yeah. that's what I'm saying. It should not be, hey, thanks for coming in. I hope you had a great um, experience here. L- call us and let us know if you would like to have another appointment in six months. No, it should be, hey, we'll see you back in six months. Can we go ahead and schedule that now? You can move it if you need to. Mm-hmm. And then when that appointment comes up, they are going to have to call me and cancel the appointment or move it. Not, I'm hoping that they get off the couch and get their you know stuff together enough to actually pick up the phone and call and make an appointment. And I say this, you know, from my own my own style, my own life. I'm busy, and people send me emails all the time telling me I'm supposed to do stuff. Yeah. You're due to have your teeth cleaned. You're due to get your hair cut. You're due to get your car serviced. You know, and I'm busy. And just making the time to be like, oh, fine, uh, you know, I'm going to call these people and see what's available for them. The, the better thing is when I'm there, let me look at my calendar six months in advance and put it on there. And then that way, when the time comes, you know, send me a, a reminder a week out or two weeks out and say, hey, this is coming up. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when you call me, I will either say I need to move this or I will say, oh, we're keeping it where it is. But it is on the calendar and I'll be there. Like mm-hmm. I will show up and do it. I just going from stasis to oh, I got to call the auto place and see if I can get my car in and get serviced. What You know, blah, 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 blah. That's a lot of activation energy. And so we need to think about that in medicine. 
And too often what happens is we get people in and we just try to upsell them and upsell them and upsell them. And we're upselling them things that shouldn't be upsells. They should be what their pet needs or what we believe their pet needs. So it's time to flip flip that around. And we, we just need to, we need to be more assertive in what we believe as far as what pets should get, what it means to be a good pet owner. You know, uh, and we should say to people, this is the program. And if people want to opt out of it, they can opt out of it. But it should be on them to opt out, not on us to convince them to come on board with senior blood work. I totally I totally agree. And I think that the other piece of that, too, because we we've talked um, a, a little bit recently. Um, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. but We talked about the idea of, um, you know, equity in in veterinary medicine. And, and the one thing that I love about um the the opt out uh model um as you were you were talking about it leaves room for all of us to create our own individual flavor and so it's truly about like when you said put together a package that includes the things that you believe in and the things that you care about it allows us all to create the space for our clients and where we live there i i have worked in um, you know, parts of the West Coast where some things weren't necessary medicine wise. And so we didn't include them. And I've lived in other places where there were, uh, you know, diseases that at my prior practice were not considered core vaccines or and now they now they are. Right. So it's not about saying we have to take a one size all fits all approach to veterinary medicine and define a singular one size fits all this is the gold platter kind of medicine because i think a lot of times people will um can can get that confused and think okay well you have to offer all of the things but it's about what what is right for you your medicine your clients your area and how do you how do you pull that together so that when you talk about it to clients it feels for your team like you're not upselling because you're not piecemealing all of the things off. It's like, look, this is what we this is what we include and this is why we include it. Coming from the team members perspective, that is so much easier mm-hmm. to talk about. And oh yeah. Um, you know, and that that specifically is what, you know, great Dr. Great Medicine Desired was asking about was like, how do you how do you flip the script? Well, flipping the script becomes exponentially easier when you're including the things because it makes it uh, there's just something about that that makes it more easy for people to tackle yes that's exactly it i'll give you i'll give you a story it's very similar as i read this this email it reminded me of another of time in my life i remember um i switched dentists it's been a couple years ago i'm talking about the dentist a lot today but um (laughs) There was this young couple, and they were a couple of dentists, and they moved to Greenville, and they came into the vet clinic, and I was working with them, and I just really liked them. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just great. Um, and they were, you know, they were in their early 30s, probably when I met them, mid-30s maybe, when I met them, and they were just energetic, vibrant people. And I thought, man, I genuinely really like these people. I like these clients. I my I'm I was completely neutral on the dentist that I had. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. did not know them from anything. I, they were fine, but I thought uh, I like these people. And they had moved to town and they had bought a dental practice from an older dentist who was retiring. And so I thought, man, this is this is what I live for, right? You know, I I love the young 
entrepreneurial people who are coming in and to, and, and buying a practice and trying to, you know, to grow it and make it into something and like sort of, I just romanticize it, live their dream. I imagine, you know, I imagine them with arms around each other, looking at the dental practice that would be theirs. And I'm like, I want to support that dream. And so I, so I switched to dentists, right? So I make the appointment, I go over there and, uh, and I, and I, I come in and I say, Hey, you know, I'm Andrew work. I'm here to get my teeth cleaned. And the lady said, actually, it goes further back than that. I called to make the appointment. And the lady says, great, so you're going to come in. Uh, have you been seen in the last six months? And I said, no, it's probably been a, been a little bit over a year since I've been in. And she goes, okay, all right. Well, here's what's going to happen. We're going to see you in for a comprehensive oral examination, a full mouth cleaning and dental radiographs, and it'll cost $240. Is that okay? And I said, yeah. And so I get there, and I walk in, and they sign me in, and they say, all right, uh, Mr. Rourke, you're here for comprehensive oral cleaning uh, dental radiographs and full mouth examination. Um, and, and it's going to be $240. Is that okay? And I said, yeah. And then I go back and, um, and the dentist that I met comes in, Dr. Jill. And she says, Andy, it's good to see you. Great. You're here for a comprehensive oral examination, uh, uh, full mouth dental cleaning and, and dental radiographs, $240. And I said, that's great. And they sit down and the hygienist comes in and the hygienist used to work for the old vet who was there. No doubt. Immediately she comes in and goes, okay, so we're going to do a, a comprehensive oral examination, a full mouth cleaning and dental radiographs. And it'll be $240. Unless you don't want to do the radiographs, then it'll be less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you feel it. You know what I mean? Like you go, oh, like I tell that story at vet, at vet meetings and you know the practice owners because they, they audibly go, oh, Ooh. like that. Yeah. Oh. And it's like all the work that they put into just laying out the expectation of this is what you're here for. She goes, unless you don't want to do the radiographs, then it'll be less. And I know the value of dental radiographs. Like, I know that. Right. I know why we do it. I assume why a human dentist would do it, the same reason we do. And in that moment, my thought was, how many people get radiographs? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I don't mm -hmm. want to be the only sucker who's paying for this thing. And it, like, it just, I, I, that experience sums up vet medicine in so many ways. And the hygienist is not bad. She's wonderful. She's yeah. looking at me in my hoodie that has yogurt stain on it and uh, my blue jeans and going, hey, you know, I mean, you should do what you should do or what you can do, you know? Right. Um, but guys, that's 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 the problem, right? Like, that's it is we... We set people up and we explain what we're going to do. And it just takes one person saying, you know what? Um, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And then the whole thing falls, falls apart. Yeah. Well, and I mean, think about it. Like how many times have we, how many times have we been in, in practice that we've been looking, looking over medical records where somebody has recommended something. All it takes is that little difference in the story that, a client is told, you know, all it takes is one person not repeating it the same way mm -hmm. for the client to now go, am I getting sold on this? Am I, you know, is this, is this really what's supposed to happen? They didn't have a doubt in their mind before that. It's like when you were sitting in the chair, you said, yep, 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 yep. You didn't have any doubts about that until there was the doubt put in your mind and it wasn't in, it wasn't intentional, but this is where 
this is where we really struggle in terms of veterinary medicine because too often we don't take the time to make sure that everybody feels comfortable with the the spiel as as it was put in the email, right? And then know the what to say and how to say it. And so in the moment they freeze like a deer in the headlights. And then that's when people go rogue. And it's not in it's not intentional. It's not malicious. There, you know, that like you said, the hygienist wasn't trying to sabotage the thing. She just wanted to make sure you knew that that was an option. And unfortunately, that puts the seed of doubt in your mind, right? Well, it's more than that, right? So there's this thing called consistency bias in, it is, in our psychology, is that when we see a pattern and the pattern repeats, we're com- we like repetition. Mm-hmm. We like a known plan. We like when things don't, re- uh, when things repeat, we become our evolutionary caveman brain says, I've seen this before. I'm seeing it now. Right. I feel safe. And then when it changes, all of a sudden our evolutionary alarm bells go off because we go, wait a second. This is not what it was before. before. And that, yeah, yeah, that deep part uh, of our brain, like the amygdala, you know, it just goes danger, 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 like this. And and, and curiosity flares up. And again, when you say something that's out of order from what it has been in the past or it's different than what is before, you know, our caveman brain goes, what is this? Is it dangerous? It could be dangerous. The first thought is danger. The second thought is curiosity. Why is this different? And that's exactly what happened in my mind when she said this, like that part of my brain just overrode the logical part of, no, I, I understand the value of this. and I'm going to do it. That caveman shoved a uh, logical Andy, who's who's a scrawny nerd, out of the way and <laughs> grabbed the controls and was like, danger, danger. What is this? What is the story changing? What is different from what we were told before? And like heightened alert. And it just draw massive attention to this thing, which and when I'm telling this story, I, I suspect probably some people are probably like, this is a little detail. Why is he grabbing onto this? I'm going, God, this matters, right? Like this variation yeah. in the story, it matters and it catches people. And so consistency is important and you can do a lot of good with consistency and people get comfortable if we just tell them what's coming and we repeat it and they hear it from different places. They believe that's what's coming. They believe that's what needs to happen, right? They feel comfortable with it. And as soon as one person goes, I don't do any of that crap. And someone goes, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, heart, the heartworm prevention's a fraud. It's a lie. They go, what? Have I been getting taken this whole time? And, you know, like it, it's, it, it matters. It's small, but it really matters. So, okay. So I, I hope that people have gotten the idea of opt out versus opt in down. Mm-hmm. And they see why I'm saying like, yeah, guys, this matters. And I'm saying this matters all day, every day, in every appointment that you see. When you talk about small things that add up to big things as far as the quality of care your practice offers, this is what I am talking about. There's yeah. like, there's no, like you can go learn a new surgical procedure. You'll do it once a month. That's that's great for that mm-hmm. one pet. You know, this happens all day, every day and radically impacts the health of your practice. All right, how do we get there? Because that's what, that's what uh, great medicine desired doctor wants to know three things okay actually you know what um i'm a bit parched before we uh before we before we talk let's take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the three things that have to happen to get us where we want to be sound good sounds great Hey, gang, I just want to take a moment and jump in here with a quick update of important things that are going on. On Wednesday, June the 9th, I'm going to be teaching a workshop about motivating people who don't want to be motivated. You know that person who you just uh, have a hard time engaging on your team? The person who just doesn't seem excited about changing their ways? The person that you talk to and try to get them on board and try to get them excited? 
they just don't seem like they want to be on board or excited. How do you reach that person? Guys, that's what I am working on with you. It is two hours. It is a workshop, which means we are going to be breaking out into groups and discussing and talking about best practices and tactics and what has worked for us and things that we have struggled with so that we can break those things down and get actionable solutions and tools for you. That is with me, as I said, Wednesday, June 19th, it is for, or June 9th. It is from noon until 2 Eastern time. That's 9 to 11 Pacific. It is free to Uncharted members. It is $99 to the public. And then on June the 23rd, my friend, editor at DrAndyRourke.com, Melanie Kramer is teaching skills in 90. Level up your practice photos. Melanie Kramer, before she was the editorial director at DrAndyRourke.com, before she was the managing editor at VetStreet.com, before she worked at America Online, she was a photo journalist working with uh, sites including the New York Times. She is the real deal and she is talking about the skills and uh, how to make your images from practice do a lot of work as far as getting education and attention from pet owners. So she's going to be working on that. That is going to be June the 23rd and July the 7th. It is free also for Uncharted members and $99 for the public. I'll put both of the links to those in the show notes. Let's get back to this episode. How do we, how do we tackle this? Andy, because I think that there's we've we've gone on a couple different tangents so far, and I hope that everybody's still on the bus with us, and we haven't lost anybody. But there's a couple of different pieces to um, Doctor Great Medicine's desired question, which is how do we how do we ha- get better at this kind of communication? How do we have this kind of communication? What is it? What does it look like? Yeah, there's there's three parts to this. All right, um, everyone thinks. How you say it is the big thing. Because that's what that's what Dr. Great Medicine desired asks. Like, how do you say it? Right. Aha. That's part two. Part one is how do you get people to buy into raising your medical game? And yeah. that's a big part of it. We like to believe that, oh, my people just don't know how to say it. Maybe that's true. Generally, they're not fully bought into the standard of care that you would like to practice at your hospital. Mm-hmm. And we have got to overcome that first because getting them to say it right if they don't believe in it is innately challenging. Yeah. Right. All right. So that's number one is get people to buy into raising the medical game. Number two is how do we say it? And number three, the last part of this is you got to track it. Right. You can't you. you this is um, yes. this is like uh, I don't know. It's like a fitness plan. Like somebody's got to write down what you're doing. And and hold and hold you accountable to some degree, right? The default yeah. is not to try hard. The default is to uh, make your life easy. It's actually since we were talking about uh, cognitive biases just a minute ago, it, it's actually it's called status quo bias. Like we are innately uh, favorable towards the status quo. Like mm-hmm. we we want to do what we've done before and changing from what we've done before we have a natural bias against it it's called the status quo bias and so we have got to shake people out of the status quo bias the 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 good news is it can definitely be done the bad news is it's a process and it's like bathing you kind of have to keep doing it over and over again so all right that's it those are three parts okay so let's talk about part number one all right getting buy-in yeah there's a couple of things uh that 
And we can do, God, we could do a lot about getting buy-in to a higher standard of care. I, I want to hit, hit some high-level stuff today because uh, I feel like that's kind of where we've been at and what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, things, so let's you and me make a list of the most useful or valuable things for getting people to buy in and believe in this higher standard of care. So for our writer, they took over a practice that someone else had had and they mm-hmm. want to raise this standard of care up. The problem, the fundamental problem with this, and we see it again and again and again and again, is the people believe that the previous doctor was doing a good standard of care. If right. they didn't believe that, they wouldn't have worked there. And so what they saw in the past, they believed was good. And now they believe that's good, and you're asking them to raise the game, and you don't want to bash the previous veterinarian and say that they weren't doing good thing. Right. Cause that makes everybody feel ashamed and angry and hurt, you know? And so I don't want to say that at the same time, if I don't say something like that, how do I get them to recognize that we need to raise the standard of care? If what we were doing before was fine and good, what you're saying seems excessive. Mm-hmm. And so that is a delicate dance to do. And it can be done. Quick, quick advice off the top of the bat. If you're looking at this, number one is um, do not attack what was done in the past. Like, yeah. Do not. Mm-hmm. Right. Lean into the positive. Everyone works hard. Everyone has done good. They are doing a good job. We are going to the next level. And that's how I how I phrase that. Or medicine is changing and growing and evolving and we are changing and growing and evolving with it. And that is a non pointed way for me to be like we are moving on. Mm hmm. And you mm-hmm. need to get on the bus or get off the bus. Uh, so, so yeah. So, so first, that's the first note on taking over someone else. Tools that we can use to get people to buy into where we're going. You and I talk a lot about core values, right? Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about core values. What does our team believe in? What is the higher purpose? Because, guys, the higher purpose is not $12 an hour of technician pay. Mm-hmm. That is not a higher purpose that's going to motivate people. They have a higher purpose. They are doing this job for a reason, and it ain't minimum wage. You know, it is um, It is what they believe in, why, why they think that we're here. I need to tap into that, right? If I want to motivate them to raise the game, I have to, talk, I have to figure out what they care about. Why do they do this job? And if I can speak to them in the terms of what they care about, what their core values are, I can... I can motivate them, right? I, I, can, I can talk to them in their language about things they care about. And I'll also say to you, if you think that what they care about is practice profitability, you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. So core values. Yeah. So I think when we talk about core values too, I think it's it's about what do they believe in? And I think it actually creates a good opportunity when we're talking about getting their buy-in to talk about what did they believe before Mm -hmm. so that you're armed with like their perspective kind of as Mm -hmm. your facts so why were they doing the things that they were doing before were they doing that because that's what the previous practice owner believed in or were they doing it just because that's the way that it was always done and they didn't actually have any education around the issue that was just what they did so they kept on doing it i it has amazed me how many times in my career when I have had teams where I have I have faced this actually several times in practice where the practice has been purchased by newer owners and um, the newer owners had a different perspective on medicine than the prior owner and they were shifting it for the team and for the clients. And it, it, 
it never fails to amaze me when I have asked the question, why did you do it that way? Or why? Tell me, tell me more about that. Why, you know, why did you guys recommend that? Or why did you think that that they don't actually know the why? And the really cool part about that is that it creates massive opportunity for you to talk about your why. So if you are a newer doctor and you received newer training than the veterinarian that you bought the practice from, it's not, well, they were old school and you're not. It is, well, let me tell you guys about what I learned in school. And this, you know, especially like a lot of times new grads often think, well, how can I, how can I argue with a doctor who's been doing the medicine for, you know, 30 years? Well, medicine changes. It changes every single day. And so you have an opportunity to talk about what did you, what did you learn and how did you learn it? And having that conversation with your team is really important as well, because so many times they're doing it a way or the way that they're doing it. And they don't actually know the why it's just how they were trained. And so if you dig into that with them, you'll be surprised, I think, pleasantly by how great of an opportunity it presents for you to present your position to them without it being I'm right and they're wrong. Yeah. And another, I agree with that. Another way to, to sort of present that your position without I'm right and they're wrong is a purpose story. Right. And so this is a um, this is a story driven approach to leadership. And essentially it is me standing up in front of the team and not talking about really directly this topic at all. But does your team know what your purpose is? Have they heard your story about how you came to be here and what you believe in and what you hope to accomplish in your life? Right. And if you have a purpose story about what you're about it's motivating and it's inspiring and people can see that clearly. And if you say, this is what I care about and this is what drives me and this is why I get out of bed in the morning, mm-hmm. it can be very inspiring and motivating for the team. And it's another way, again, of not criticizing what they've done in the past, but just saying, this is, I'm telling you who I am and, and what I care about. And this is where I, as the practice owner, as the medical director, this is where I, I want us to go. And it is important to me. And again, showing them that and giving them that sort of sense of purpose or that shared purpose they have with you, that that's a super powerful motivator. A lot of times we um we we get pushback or there are things that they that they don't want to change, stuff like that. One of the one of the tools that you and I talk about a lot that I think comes in really handy is remember, um, head, heart, and hands. Is this a head? problem, a heart problem, or a hands problem, or a concern, a head concern, a heart concern, or a hands concern. When I say that, is, is, it, a, is it a head concern? Meaning, uh, do they not understand? This is a lot of times with the knowledge or the, the medical part. And you say, guys, we've got this new technology. We're going to use it. And they go, okay. They don't know what the technology is. They don't understand. Right. They don't understand why it's better than what they were doing before. No one's told them. You know, like I know you went to the CE and you're super fired up about it. They were not there. They're not super fired up about it. They don't know what you know. And so this that's a head concern. They just, they don't have the knowledge to get on board with what you're asking them to do. They don't understand why what you are recommending is better than what they were doing before. The right. heart is the meaning or purpose, right? Is this a heart concern? Meaning they're like, if we do this, clients are not going to be able to afford our services. Or if we, 
If we close on Saturday afternoons, the emergency clinic doesn't open up until Saturday evening, and we're going to have clients that are not going to have emergency coverage. And I feel like we're letting our clients down. That's not about knowledge. That is about purpose and meaning, right, and morality. And you go, okay, if that's where the pushback is, I need to understand that. And a lot of times it's funny, we'll have a heart problem, and the doctor is like, clearly you don't understand this. And they try to explain it to him like it's a head problem. And you go, you're not going to go anywhere. And the last is the hands problem. You're saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. And they're saying, we're not staffed for that. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't have we don't have the bodies that we need to perform the services that you're talking about and staying on time. And that's a hands problem. That's an efficiency problem is that is a systems problem. None of those are better than the others. Mm-hmm. But you need to know which one you're dealing with. And we need to talk to them about that so that we can get them on board and overcome the specific concern obstacle problem that they're having so that's head heart and hands yeah i think i i totally i totally agree with that and i i think the hard part for a lot of people in managing the team and tackling this is that often the reason across the teams people's perspective of the reason varies and so you probably have some members on your team who consider it a head problem And you probably have some members of your team who might consider it a heart problem. And the hard part as a leader is trying to figure out, well, great, I have all three problems. How do I, how do I tackle this? You know, how do I, how do I approach it? And so I think sometimes our, our natural default is to try and tackle everything with everybody. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've learned Um, over the years is if I'm having this conversation and I'm talking to the team about it and I'm trying to, you know, figure out what is their concern and where is it coming from? One of the things that I learned is that sometimes it can be a mistake to address the concern with the team as a whole, because what I might come, Mm -hmm. what I might get out of the meeting is that, you know, three quarters or 99% of the team all agree that it's, head problem and we don't have the education, but I have one person who really believes that it's a heart problem. I would probably be better off working with the one person who feels like it's a heart problem one-on-one or in a different setting than the whole group meeting, than trying to divide and conquer and talk to everybody about both a head and heart problem. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot of the change management stuff you and I talk about and and the getting team buy-in and figuring out who your influencers and ringleaders are and, and, and who are the people who are really pushing back and isolating those. I mean, when I say isolating, I mean, uh, identifying, that's what I was looking for, identifying those people so you could talk specifically to them. I, I said, we can go really deep here. I, I think that that's a really great point. Not all of this should be done in front of everyone. And, um, and we can't look at one or two people and make assumptions about the rest of the team from them. I think that's a great point. I think the last thing for me from, the, the buy-in perspective is they have to experience it for themselves. And so that's one of the, the key tools that I think a lot of the times we forget about in our toolbox, which is that they don't know what they don't know. And if you have team members who were working in a practice and the medicine that was being practiced is different than the medicine that you are practicing now or that you would like to start practicing, they're not going to be able to speak to it confidently with clients until they've experienced it for themselves. And whether that's being in the exam room with you and hearing your new spiel compared to Mm -hmm. their prior doctor's spiel, 
or whether it's experiencing a new level of wellness care for their own pet, we, we really have to dedicate some time and energy into allowing them to experience it for themselves because that is where the light bulb is found for a vast majority of people is being immersed in it and seeing and hearing and feeling it for themselves. And so don't don't forget about that tool in terms of getting the team buy-in because it's a very, very powerful one. Yeah, I think that's great. Let's let's go to part two, um, how to say it. Okay. When I talk about how to say it, what I'm really talking about is how to present this to the client. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's sort of three tools that I, that I want to talk about with this. Number one is not about how you say it. It's about building systems, right, and processes mm-hmm. for how things are supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And the better job you do of setting up processes the more successful you are going to be. So what I mean is verbal jujitsu in the right hands is a powerful tool. In the wrong hands is not. And it's also inconsistent, which means if you have a good day, you can really explain the heck out of this. And if you have a bad day, (laughs) you are a doofus. My my daughter asked me a question, a very reasonable question this morning uh, before my first cup of coffee. And I just looked at her (laughs) and like, I just looked at her and she looked back at me and then she just turned and walked away. (laughs) And I was like, I I I literally just shut down. I I just, she, I, I, we locked eyes and she was like, he's not home. Like he's, the lights are on. He's not home. And she just, just the fact that she was just like, well, right. <laughs> she walked away. Like <laughs> I could not talk my way out of a paper bag before my first cup of coffee. Uh, and some days I'm convinced they're probably that way the whole day. Yeah. Right? So rather than me talking you into booking your appointment six months in advance, it's better to have a protocol that this is just what we do. Yeah. And this is, you know, and this is how it goes. And the front desk can explain it, however, but it's amazing. They don't have to be, um, you know, uh, persuasive people when they believe that this is what happens because then they just speak with confidence. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. They're just like, yeah. this is what is going to happen. And the client goes, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah. And it's just over. But it's that uncertainty and trying to figure out how to say it. Um protocols are the best thing when you say this is our wellness protocol when you say guys we run blood work on every pet over the age of eight years that's what we do the the staff will get on board with figuring out how to say that but when the client is told at the beginning hey you're coming in it's going to be Com- comprehensive oral examination, full mouth cleaning and dental radiographs, $240. They go, okay, same thing. You are coming in for a senior pet exam. It's going to be a comprehensive physical examination, vaccinations, and senior blood work. See you on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when we have those protocols, everything else just gets smoothed out. Well, yeah. And the really nice part for your team is that from a client's perspective, I think this is this is an opportunity to allow the team to shine because what do clients want? They want to hear it from the vet. 
And so this is another, this is another avenue where I don't, they don't actually need to hear it from the vet. They just need to hear it through the lens of confidence. And that's often one of the conversations that I'll have with CSR team members who are like, how come I said it and the client didn't listen and then you said it and they, there was no problem. And I was like, I didn't actually say much that was different from what you said, but the confidence in which I approached it was, was different. You know, if, if you say, if a client says, well, I want to talk to Dr. Smith because, uh, you know, Fluffy's still limping. I could say, well, I'm not sure that Dr. Smith is available, but let me go check. Or I could say, okay, can you hold for a moment? And then I could look at the record. And if Dr. Smith had written in the record, if Fluffy's still limping after trying the Rimadol, they need to come back for x-rays and, uh, you know, a recheck. And then I can pick the phone back up and say, I, I looked at Fluffy's chart and it looks like Dr. Smith said she was concerned that that the Rimadol might not work. And so since you've just told me that Fluffy's still limping, her recommendation was that she come back in to have some x-rays and a recheck. I can see you this afternoon at three. Are you okay with that? That feels very different than I don't know if Dr. Smith's available. Let, let me let me put you on hold for one moment. And and right. really what it comes down to there is the confidence. Your team, yeah. your team can have the answers. They have to feel confident saying what they're going to say. And so that really comes from practice. Yeah, yeah. But 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 let me let me let me lean into this a little bit too and go. The protocol of when they call and they want to look at the doctor, we put them on hold, we check the record, we see what's there, and we go back knowing blah blah blah. Like I guess when I say protocols make this easy, that like yes. that's what I'm t- that level of protocol yes. is what I'm talking about. So yes, okay. So so a couple of things. Let me fluff your pillows here. Um, one that that's the type of simple training system that I'm talking about. So we're not freestyling on the phone, right? Yes. We are putting them on hold. We're getting off. We're looking at the record, which we know to look at. We're assessing the situation. We know what our objectives are and we're going back and we're talking to them. Right. And like just going through those steps is going to make you so much more successful. The other thing I want to do as I, as I continue to fluff your pillows is go to <laughs> the, um, go to the, to, to the second point that, that I want to make is, is framing this in a here's what we're going to do way. And you did that so beautifully in the, in, in your example when you said, I can see you at three o'clock today. Is that okay? That is so different from saying, would you like to come in? Right. And, and people go, that, how is that different? I like that is massively different in the confidence in how we're moving this forward. Again, this is the opt out that I'm talking about. When you say, he said, you should come in a recheck. I can see you today at three o'clock. Is that okay? And they go, yes. And if they want to opt out, they can. They can say no, right? Right. But it's on them to say no. Right. Not for them to say, not for you to say, would you like to make an appointment? And they go, I don't know. Let me talk to my wife. Let me and think I'll call about it. Back. I'll call you back. Yeah, let me think about it and call <laughs> you back. Like that is that is them opting in. I want that. Right. That's, 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 that's in. So that example is beautiful in that you said, I can see you today at three. Is that okay? Right? Boom. That's it. I was uh, working with the technicians, uh, two technicians, and I think the world of both of them. And I really like them a lot. And we, uh, our practice is a place where we want to see as much curbside as we can. But if people want to come in, we have some large exam rooms and we have vaccine staff and, and we are comfortable uh, servicing those clients. 
I work with one technician and no one comes in the building. And I work with another technician and I see all the appointments in the room. And I pulled them together one day and I was like, what's going on? Like, why when I work with you, does everyone do curbside? And I work with you and no one does curbside. And again, I wasn't complaining. I just wanted to know. And I said, well, what do you say? And the technician who has everyone come inside, she says, I go out and say, would you like to do curbside today? Question mark. And then they say, no, <laughs> no. And she goes, okay, well, then I'll bring you inside. And she's like, everyone does that. And so I looked at the other technician and I said, well, what do you do? And she said, I go out and I say, okay, we have you in for a curbside appointment today. That means you get the same great service from the comfort of your car. Uh, we are going to be doing a physical examination and vaccines today. Is there anything that I should know? Do you have any questions for me? And she's like, then they just give me their pet and stay in the car. <laughs> and guys, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like that, that, that is what I'm talking about. Is, is that framing. And again, and I do not think those people are sitting in their car going, oh, I can't believe I have to be in my car. Right. You know, and if any of them say, can I come inside? She says, yes, we can make that happen. I'll have to uh, get an exam room ready for you. Yeah. Um, they can opt out, but they have to actively opt out because the default is for them to stay in their car. Yeah. When my other technician, it's a coin toss. Do you want to be in your car? Yes or no. And it's a 50 50 chance of what they're going to say. I, I love that. And I think I think hearing your examples from your two technicians is so, so helpful. And sometimes when we're dealing with this with the team, one of the things that can be really hard about getting them over the fear of role playing is we all, we know that we need them to practice because if they don't, they'll, they'll never get it. Um, but everybody is afraid of the role play, mm -hmm. right? The dreaded role play. Mm -hmm. One of the, the things that I have tried to do to make it fun, particularly with my CSRs who let's be real, they get a lot of crap from clients. And so oftentimes when we're talking about things like this, we're talking about them because they've dealt with a client who reduced them to tears or they felt put on the spot or um, uncomfortable. And so there can often be emotions surrounding this and they're frustrated or they're angry and they don't they don't want to talk about it, even right. though they do want to talk about it because they're mad that it happened. <laughs> they, they don't actually want to talk about it. And so one of the things um, that I have learned to do to kind of gamify it is ask that person if they would take on the role of the client um, and let them practice with me. And so I'll say, okay, tell me, tell me what that client said to you and be, be that client channel their obnoxiousness, like say what they said to you, give yeah. it, give it back to me. And I will put myself in the position of letting them amp it up because I feel okay deflecting that. And by mm -hmm. letting them play out their emotions as the client, what I have found is that instead of putting the whole rest of the team in this negative headspace that they were in, they channel that and it allows them to turn it around and turn it into a positive because often they have experienced things that other members of the team would go, the client didn't really say that. But let me tell you, I have heard... <laughs> some crazy ass mm -hmm. things come out of clients mouths and so allowing the team to say that and channel that just gives them this this feeling of like okay I could I could do this because now it's not them trying to 
make it up as they go because the improv nature of role playing is often what makes people feel really uncomfortable because they don't know what they're supposed to say. And so by asking them, well, can you can you just pretend to be Mrs. Smith and give it to me? Like, let me have it. Yeah, it gives them an unintentional script and it makes it easier and for them to be more confident in my experience. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that exercise a lot. You don't talk about that a lot. I always like to throw this out when we say that there's some people who get really panicky because they're like, oh, my God, if I did what Stephanie did, I would have to be confident that I am going to give the perfect response because I'm doing it in front of everyone. Sure. And showing them how to do it. I, I, I say resist that. The yeah. ways that I the ways that I will do it is uh, I'll do that. Do, I'll do exactly that. And then I will either turn to the group and say, all right, guys, coach me. What right. am, what, should what should I, I do say? here? What should I say? And Love then it. I am the one who's going to stand up and I'm standing in front of them role playing, but they're coaching me on what to say. And so it's a much lower stress for them. But then Love also, it. If, it, if it's not perfect, you guys were coaching me. And so you're in on it too. Or I will just give it a solid response and I will say, what is good about what I did? What could I have done better? And then, and just let them criti- critique me and say, well, you could have done this or I'll say that. And a lot of times they're really right. And I go, that's great. That's really good. And so yeah. anyway, for anyone who's like, oh my God, I'm just not confident enough myself to stand in front of my team and show them what they should have done. Not exactly knowing what's going to happen. It's like, ah, it's not, it's not the high stakes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and be, be okay that, that, that makes you feel uncomfortable like that. I would absolutely, I, I love that Andy, because it opens the door to say, I don't know what to say. What would yeah. you guys say? Tell tell me tell me what I should say back to this person. And and so it opens it up to any level of introverted extrovertedness and still yeah. ask them to collaborate on it. Yeah. And there's there's no right answer. There's no yeah. here's exact here's exactly the right way you say it. No, yeah, yeah. It, it it depends on you the way that you would do it perfectly is not the way I would do it perfectly because your style and your presence and your delivery, they're they're all just, they're all just Mm -hmm. different. Uh, What, what you're trying to accomplish may be slightly different from what I think I should be trying to accomplish. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. So I, I, this reducing the stakes of like, Oh my God, I have to get it right. That's, that's just useful for everybody. Okay. So what's the third part? All right. The third part of the presentation is framing. And this is just a simple one. People ask me about a lot, though. Positive framing versus negative framing, right? Um, One of the simple trick is when someone asks you to do something, don't tell them what you can't do. Tell them what you can do. Don't tell them you don't have any appointments today. Tell them you can see them first thing tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. Don't tell them that they can't come in the building. Tell them that you can see them uh, uh, in their car or they can do a drop-off appointment and they can leave and come back or, you know, whatever. Um, or they can reschedule for the weekend when we do our outdoor exam room for people who want to have it. Um, I- any of those things are totally acceptable. So anyway, positive framing. Tell them what you can do. Don't tell them what you can't do. I love it. Well, that brings us to the last bit, and we'll just hit this quick. I know we're getting we're getting a little bit long. Uh, the third part of this is is track it. And when I say track it, what I mean is just that um, it's easier to just do what the client wants than to advocate for policies or for pets. And that's especially true if you have clients who are used to things going in a certain way. Right. Like their default is the old way. And so it is just a lower state of energy to just go with what the client wants and mm-hmm. do the flea and tick prevention if they want to do it and don't if they don't. And it's not bad that you recognize that that's easier 
You know, it's not bad that you feel that way. Everyone's right. gonna feel that way because this is true. Which means we have to encourage people. We have to appreciate people. We have to motivate people. We have to cheerlead people. We have mm -hmm. to keep pumping them up and patting them on the back so they keep getting up to do that work, that extra lifting. And then the big thing is we need to positively and in some cases, unfortunately, negatively reinforce those behaviors, mm -hmm. right? It's simple, positive reinforcement of behaviors. If you want people to advocate for a higher standard of care, you need to figure out how to measure that, how to track it, how to pay attention. And you need to reward the people who are going to work for you. And you need to talk to people who are not. You know what I mean? It is about, again, it's not about being mean or a bully or anything. But if you have one technician that has bought into what you're doing and she's working her tail off and every pet over the age of eight is getting senior blood work, you need to sing her praises from the rooftop, right? Mm -hmm. You need to celebrate her. You need to appreciate her. You need to reward her in a way that she feels rewarded, like in, in her in her language of appreciation. I want to keep her. I want to promote her. I want to empower her. Yeah. And if I've got someone who's just like, I'm not going to do this, I need to know that that's happening in the exam room because there's a lot of people who will look at me in the face and say, absolutely, Andy, I'm on board. And then you look at what happens in the exam room and go, you're clearly not on board because this is not happening. And again, Maybe that's my fault. Maybe we need to do some more training. Maybe we need to talk about what resources she needs to be successful or he needs to be successful. You know, again, it's not about being a jerk or a tyrant, but it is about honestly assessing what's going on in the room, not just what people tell you to your face. And so that's that's the measuring. Well, and what I love about it is that, uh, you know, I'm a spreadsheet nerd. <laughs> and so when you say track it, it makes my heart happy but the reality is that the numbers don't lie and you said in the very beginning if we do if we do good medicine like the and we we practice what we believe in the numbers and the money follows and so this is where the numbers don't lie and so if you're looking at it and you're tracking um your example of senior pets over eight who are getting you know their annual lab work Sure. Or if you're making a shift where, you know, you're starting to see a lot of intestinal parasites. And so maybe you're shifting to doing fecals twice a year instead of only once a year, right. whatever, whatever it is, when you start to look at that, you can absolutely, the numbers will help you reward the heck out of the team members who are kicking butt. And it will really allow you to create a black and white opportunity to start to have conversations with those who are struggling to figure out why they are struggling so that you can support them, not everybody else is doing great and you suck. So I'm going to punish you because not, not how we want to approach it, right. but the numbers don't lie and you will be able to see where the challenges are on your team and then, and then address them with, with those people and find out for them, is it a head problem? Is it a heart problem or is it a, is it a hands problem? And how can you support them? Which you might not know until you start looking at the numbers because of exactly what you said, which is that when they're in the team environment, everybody's going to agree, right? Like you, for the most part, it's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And as manager, I've asked myself that, okay, we had the staff meeting and they all told me they were doing the thing, but they're clearly not all doing the thing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So where's yeah. the disconnect and the numbers allow me the opportunity to have that conversation and get curious with them and say, hey, I was looking at this and it looks like, you know, um, it looks like you've really been struggling with this because I looked at, you know, I looked at your caseload for the last week and, you know, you only did whatever 
you know, four out of 10 times, what, um, you know, I want to, I want to figure out how to help you. What's, what's going on? Tell me more and dive, dig into it with them and find out, is it, do they not, are they not bought in? Yeah. Do they, do they not believe in what you're trying to do? Because you can't solve that problem for them. You have to understand their why before you can try and support them. Totally. Thanks for talking through this with me, Stephanie. I really enjoyed this episode. This was a good one. I hope you guys liked it. Have a great week, guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Take it easy, gang. Man, that was so fun to record this episode for you guys. I hope that you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for spending your time with us this week. We appreciate it. And as always, we would love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion, something you'd like to talk about on the podcast with us, you can send us a letter to the mailbag and you can find it at unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag. We um, hope to see you guys soon. Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Bye.